Well, howdy, folks. Welcome to Michael Perry's voicemail, episode number 150. Out the window of my little room above the garage here, looking out to the back 40, I can tell you that we got a fresh dump of snow. And now this morning, the wind is blowing. You might be able to even hear it in the quiet of this little room. So the deal is, we just recently had a big surge of new subscribers. So I thought I ought to do an episode where I look back a little bit. Not a comprehensive review of my entire life, <laughs> but just a couple of connected moments where this whole thing came together. And I'd also tell you that if you're new, regular listeners will tell you that one of the ways I try to keep this thing personal and real is I don't back up and clean it up and edit it and everything. It's just me sitting here in the room where I do most of my writing, most of my book writing and essay writing and songwriting, and I just talk to you. And so I may flub a word, I may mess up, I may go off on a tangent, but we'll just ride it out to the end. So if you are new, uh, welcome and thank you very much. Here's the deal. Uh, the first photo accompanying your, your uh, voicemail today Pretty much sums it up. It's a picture of me and my brothers after Saturday morning spent cleaning heifer pens. And there's a big old pile of manure behind us, and we shoveled every bit of that. And I always say, people ask me, well, how did a farm kid from rural Wisconsin end up making a living as a writer? And I always say, well, I learned everything I ever needed to know about surviving as a writer from shoveling, cleaning my dad's calf pens. And that is, you just keep shoveling until you got a pile so big that somebody has to notice I also, if you have read any of my work, and I kind of discovered this in reverse, that manure, and by the way, I was on public broadcasting at PBS one time, and the director got me to say manure instead of manure. He said, it's manure, and I said it once, and I've regretted it ever since, because where I come from, we just say manure. But I've noticed that uh, manure is a part of of my background in, in literal ways and some would say metaphorical ways. I have a, an essay in the book Off Main Street called Manure is Elemental and it begins with one of my earliest childhood memories which is falling backwards into a gutter in a barn right into the manure. Um, in the book Coop very early on there's a reference to me standing on top of a pile of manure the size of a yurt. Um, so and then some would say that I've just been, you know, metaphorically speaking, shoveling manure ever since. And in those essays, one of the things that I say is I'm, I'm okay with coming from, from laying on my back in the gutter in manure because, you know, nowhere to go but up. And no matter what's going on in my life, I can always think back to that moment and go, well, at least it's not that moment. But there is also the there's a little bit of the grit of doing that work at an early age. I had very gentle and loving parents, but their expectations were, were high on how we comported ourselves. And and we had chores and we had to show up on Saturday morning, especially when I got older, older than that picture that you see there. When I played football on Friday nights, I was quite the hero. But I can tell you that by Saturday morning, I was shoveling manure again. <laughs> so it was a great calibration for everything to follow. And... Uh, I think the second picture in there is uh, of me uh, working on a ranch in Wyoming, yeah, and I'm helping irrigate. We did flood irrigation, so we just used naturally diverted water from the Medicine Bow River, and 
and you just went out with your shovel and your eyeballs and you, you looked at the land and you read it and you diverted water, building dams with rocks and cutting little channels. And I loved that because you were outside mostly alone unless I was working with my partner, Cowboy Steve. And you just, you read the land and you dumped the water out. And sometimes you had to dump the water out a mile uphill from where you really wanted it to land. And then a week later, you'd go around and you could tell if you did a good job because wherever the water went, the grass would be green and you'd make adjustments. And But I think I also, I look at that picture and I, and I look uh, at the picture following it, which is uh, of an oil derrick and a, in the caption I can describe why that oil derrick picture is in there and maybe why I forget things sometimes. But afterwards, there's a, after that, there's a picture of just the Elk Mountain, the mountain that was on the ranch where I worked. And, and the reason I included those pictures is that you just don't look at those pictures and go, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a writer. I just, I grew up reading voraciously, but to me, authors were capital A authors or capital D, uh, capital W writers. And they came from faraway places and went to schools and places I'd never go to school. And so part of the joy looking at those old pictures is knowing that I was, I was preparing to be a writer. I, I just didn't, didn't know it. I was having all these experiences. I was living alone at the age of 16, working on that ranch. I lived in a little cabin by myself. I was on the ranch and part of the crew. But the fact that my parents allowed me that independence and also working those windrows that you see there that I say in the caption, I explain they're a mile long. And as a point of pride, you can see a little strip of grass that the, that my uh, hay swather missed. And I took great pride in not missing any grass. And so I, I want to point out that that's because that was an irrigation ditch and you couldn't mow completely over the top of it. But I wound up on that ranch because my dad worked there when he was a young man. And then he took me out to visit and they happened to need an extra hand when I was 16 years old. I think dad was also prepared to let me go work on my own. Like a lot of 16 year old boys, I was probably starting to explain how he should do things. And he was happy to leave me for the summer. But I look also at Elk Mountain, that mountain in the background. And that was there all the time. We rounded up cattle in the foothills of that mountain. I'd be out cutting hay. I could see the mountain. I'd be out irrigating. I could see the mountain. When I got up in the morning and I looked, I, that's the first thing I would see is that mountain. And there was just something nice about that small, uh, the bulk of that mountain reminding me of my smallness on a regular basis. And I've carried that with me ever since that whatever's going on, however stirred up I am, however I think things have gone wrong, the truth is, right up to this very moment, I've been a blessed and fortunate person, and, and I need to be grateful for that. And part of getting there is acknowledging my own smallness, and that mountain helped a lot. Um, and that picture of the oil rig, I just remembered, the reason I included that is, if you read the caption, you see I fell off it and got knocked unconscious. And, you know, if I'm struggling with, a, with an essay or trying hard to finish a paragraph in a book, and I think that's really hard, I can just think back to the folks who were working on that oil rig, or I can think uh, back to how it felt to wake up at the bottom of those iron stairs and go, well, writing's not really that hard, is it? There's a picture in there of me working on the ambulance. I, w I went to nursing school. I have a nursing degree. And as soon as I started letting people know that I was taking uh, nursing classes, whenever someone would get sick or hurt, they'd say, well, you're a nursing student. What do you think? And then even when I was a nurse, they're like, well, you're a nurse. What should we do? Well, I wasn't specifically trained in the art of emergency. 
So I took an EMT class on a whim just because I wanted to know what to do if I did come on an accident or someone got hurt and wound up taking it with my brother. And then my mom heard that we were taking it. And she said, well, I've always wanted to do something with my boys. And so she, she joined us and the three of us got our EMT licenses. And so in, I think it was 1988, I started making runs on the ambulance. And I just remember a couple of things. Again, I, I developed a really close relationship with life and death that calibrates my perception of what's important and what's fleeting to this very day. Uh, it inoculated me against some of the literary world kerfuffles that I see where everybody gets all wound up. And, and I just remember, you know, going out to a call at two in the morning and pulling a body out of a ditch or something. And I just figure, well, I don't know, this too shall pass if I got a bad review or a one star review on Amazon. It, it, turns out it could be worse. But I also remember I'd make those calls and then I'd go back to, to our little bunkhouse there and I would just start taking notes and writing things down. And it was early days, but I have journals from those days. And I, I really didn't even know what I was doing. I had started to research. I'd gone to the library at that point and pulled out a book about how to be a freelance writer, how to sell your writing. And I was reading that and I was writing stuff that I didn't know if it would ever find a home. And of course, eventually... Over a decade later, over a decade later, I wrote Population 485, the book that changed everything for me. And then I just have a picture of me with a laminate. It's, uh, I was covering uh, the Pikes Hill. Uh, I'm not looking at the picture, so I can't remember the exact name, but it was the hill climb there. They go screaming up the mountain with horrible ravines just outside the, the door of the race cars. And I just started freelancing and... When I see that picture, I just feel the freedom and don't take for granted the freedom that I enjoyed. I, I was a freelance writer. I was barely scraping by, but I was getting assigned stories by all kinds of different magazines, traveling all over by myself, all, you know, in my old beat-up car or in a rental van, staying at the Super 8. It was not a high-flying life, but man, I met people from all walks of life, and I got to tell stories from all over the world. and. I got to climb to the top of mountains. I got to go down into coal mines. I got to go to country music festivals. I got to interview famous people, um, just people of all stripes and pursuits. And that, again, every time something comes up in my life, because of this accidental path I wound up on, I have other experiences to compare them to, not in an envious way, but in a, well, I think things are okay here way. And then there's that picture of the fire trucks in that little tiny fire hall, <clears throat> and that's the New Auburn Area Fire Department. And that place, man, I grew up in that, well, I grew up on a dairy farm six miles north of that town, but that's where I went to school, K through 12. I was away for 12 years, and then I came back and spent 12 more years living right on Main Street. And the greatest privilege of my life was to spend 12 years responding to fire and ambulance calls beside my neighbors. That remains true to this day in a life full of privilege and, and fascinating experiences. The, the greatest honor outside of, of course, being a father and a husband and the duties therein, being on that fire department meant everything. I still make calls. I'm with the local volunteer fire department here where we live now, about 40 minutes south of New Auburn. Don't make many calls at all anymore. My schedule doesn't allow it. But those 12 years were signal years for me. And then I put in a picture of my friend Barry. I met Barry when he was, I think, in his 70s. 
And I remember thinking how old he was, and he was a dancer, and he was very flamboyant, and he lived in one of the poorest counties in rural Wisconsin, and yet he taught dance, modern dance. He'd studied with Martha Graham back in the day. And I remember meeting him when he was in his 70s or so and just thinking, boy, you know, I'm glad I met him now because there's not much time. And he just was a huge inspiration to me because he just, he was bound and determined to make art no matter where he was, no matter what the people around him said. But we also had a common touchstone. He grew up in the South and he, he remembers his hands being full of dirt when he was out in the fields picking tobacco. So when you look at that fellow there and his, his accoutrement, you're seeing someone who started out working the dirt, he very grounded despite his uh, appearances. And um, yeah, he, I remember I met him in, the seven, in his 70s and thought I better get as much out of him as I can, and he, he lived into his hundreds. Got a total knee replacement at the age of either 92 or 93 because he wanted to keep dancing. So I include Barry just because I owe so much to my blue-collar, logger, cowboy, farming background. I learned so much about work ethic. I learned so much about remaining close to the ground and being humble. But I also had people like Barry who didn't fit the mold and who, frankly, didn't always have an easy life around the other folks who raised me. And yet people like Barry opened gorgeous windows for me, um, introduced me to whole other worlds. And the thing I always say is that it turns out you can go to a modern dance recital and it's beautiful and moving. And you can then still that evening go to the dirt track stock car races. It's, they're not mutually exclusive. And I think it's probably time for me to wrap now because I've, I've gone on for a while uh, and I'll just say a nod to the, the population sign there at the end of this little email I sent you. Uh, if you're from New Auburn, you call it Nauburn. And I always say, no matter where I'm standing when I say it, I am grateful to be of and from Nauburn. When Population 485, the book came out, and it did better than any of us expected, there came a lot of TV people, magazine people came to New Auburn to take pictures and interview me. And um, there came a time when the new census came out, and the population went from, at that time, from 485 to 562. don't know what it is right now. And one of my buddies on the fire department is also on the town. Uh, he was the town maintenance guy. And, and they had to make a new population sign. And he asked me to come over and look at it. And it, in huge letters, it said, Welcome to New Auburn, home of author Michael Perry. And then there was a picture of the book cover. And I said, Man, you can't put home of author Michael Perry. That I was not raised that way. Plus, you know, I'm just going to get beat up, man. Um, but in the end, I said, If you want to put the book cover on there, I'd be honored because that is about the village. That's about the town. That's about the place. And that's what that book was about. Not me. It was about a place in a certain time. And so for years, if you came to New Auburn, uh, you saw the population sign and there up in the corner was the cover of, of that book. That was one of the greatest privileges of my life to write that book. And that made me feel nice. And But just in the last couple of years, the state told them they can't have that book on there because it's a form of advertising and you're not allowed to have advertising on a population sign. So they're back to the old plain green one, but just between you and me, I have a copy of both versions of the population sign. Hey folks, here's the deal. Uh, These come out about once a week. If you're a paid subscriber, you get them weekly. This is a much longer rambling one. Usually I pick one particular piece of writing and I talk a little bit about it and I read it and maybe give you a little local news and then we move on. 
Um, this one, again, is a little longer because uh, there are new folks here, and I just kind of wanted to give you some background on how I, how I wound up here. It was a complete and utter accident of tangents, to tell you the truth. But uh, the only other bit of news I'd share with you right now, and there's a link, is that I have a new book out. Um, Population 45, if you haven't read my stuff, that's the place to start. And uh, But my most recent book is a novella called 40 Acres Deep. And in the meantime, what I always tell people here is, uh, you know, if uh, where I'm from, we don't say goodbye. We just say, well, I suppose, forward. <laughs>